Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello guys, welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host, Tony Evans. The first of the new year, 2024. Uh, I hope you had a good New Year's Eve, had a good, safe and enjoyable night and the hangovers you're nursing this week. Knowing anyone of my age, it's a week's worth of hangovers, but the young ones out there, they won't even know what it means, would they really? But anyway, I hope it was uh, worth it. You kept safe, you had fun and you managed to say goodbye to... 2023 which was an interesting year for all of us was it not anyway i had a trying to think of what i would do for the first episode or episodes of 2024 um when my good friend milsey uh, reached out to me just before christmas and said hey why don't you do an episode on um what makes a good opening live song what song would you you know what what makes the, the what makes a set good um, what should a band open with? How should it open with it? Should it be new? Should it be old? Should it be a banger? Um, and I thought to myself, that's a really good metaphor for the new year. Let's open the new year with a two-episode uh, series. Um, and we're going to do it, and it's the opening songs to your favourite live gigs. Now, what I did was um, I sort of had to extrapolate that slightly and then once I'd done that and, uh, and sat down at a rest I did some more no <laughs> um, I extrapolated once or oh, I got very sweaty um, I had to um, think what should I do so I thought I would look at and deep dive into live albums that I have so it had to be the caveat had to be that the first part the first show is going to be live albums um, that I have in my collection and the ones you can easily get on all streaming platforms or as many as I could work out because it's no good me saying hey this live opening song from this band at the bootleg that only I've got four copies of or you know there's only four copies of it and you can't hear it is a bit useless to me you as the audience or to you so you can't go and say oh Tony said listen to this and I couldn't so that's what I did so it had to be what I own and if I didn't own it could I stream it quite easily um, and tick 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 on all the boxes now 
so for me, after conversation, I had conversation with good friends, I had conversation with Millsy, I had conversation with my wife. And I, it's a funny old um, sort of dichotomy, right? When you go to see a band live, uh, and the opening song, it will it and does it sort of um, sculpt the rest of the show. Interesting to say if it does or not. Um, I personally don't want to start off with an absolute banger, I have to say. I like to start off with something I know that I'm, I'm pretty happy, like we all know quite well, but I think I like the show to you know, reach a crescendo, hit those big bangers and then you know come down a bit and then go right out again at the end. Whereas Millsy, in the conversation I had with him, he likes the, the, the show to open up with an absolute scorcher. And same, to be fair, is uh, does my wife, uh, she says the same. Um, and I think, you know, I can go both ways, um, but I, I'm not, I, I'm in a different camp. We can't all be in the same camp, right? So I look at it this way. I agree with what uh, Millsy and Karen saying that, um, you know, start where you mean to go on, uh, a great big banger, get the show, get the old pump, blood pump in, the, the crowd rocking and rolling. And I, and yeah, I do, I see that. But I don't want my favourite song straight up. You know, like, um, when you have a nice meal and you're sitting there and on your plate, you know, you've got that one particular thing that you like and with me it's like my roast potatoes or my Yorkshire puddings or whatever, you know. I'm often going to put those and have those last because I want to enjoy them slowly, right? I'll have, eat what I don't really like quickly and then slowly enjoy my the, the bits I want on the side of the plate. If the old, um, but some people just like to, you know, get straight into the into their roast potatoes metaphor um, or the Yorkshire pudding metaphor. For those Americans, they know what Yorkshire pudding is. It's a battered um, dish served cooked in hot oil in an oven served with a roast meal in the UK, in Australia, and in most sort of colonial, uh, ex-colonial countries where the English were. So um, it's a very British dish. Those that uh, are not sure about it, check it out. Oh, this isn't a cooking show, so I'll move quickly on from that metaphor. But uh, what I'm trying to say is I have been to gigs where they've come out with their, like, right out of the blocks, and it's been exciting, but at the same time, I've got nothing to look forward to in some respects. And so that's what I'm saying. I really think I'm on the look forward to um, scenario. I mean, I look back on some of the gigs that, um, that I went to see, and I've been to many of them, but one of particular one of my favorites that I took my love, darling wife to see, well, we weren't married then, we were just dating then, way back in the midst of time, when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Um, we went and saw Tim Paul Tudor at the garage in Islington. And um, it's in London, of course, guys. And uh, they opened with Swords of a Thousand Men, which was, you know, if you know that song, it's their big single. Uh, and it really got us sort of really pumping um, the old, old, uh, old blood flow going. And, and the gig just kept, and it, of course, you know, from there on, it was just hit after hit after hit. It did slow down towards the end when I didn't know some of the songs that he was bringing out, um, which I generally like in the middle of the set because there's a, you need a time to take a breath. But opening songs, so 
this, as I said, so this first part of the show will be a sort of rundown of. Uh, now I'm, I felt I thought I was going to do like a top ten, um, and then you know sort of end up with my favourite number one live song, opening song. I don't want. To, I sort of thought that's not a great idea because. Um, you know my my top 10 will be completely different to other people's top 10 so i'm just going to sort of go through 10 um tracks opening tracks to live albums a little bit of history of each of the of the songs and of course what makes a good live song and then next week we will do um, a fantasy opening songs because on retrospection when you look at these live albums, a lot of these live albums, you know, like and this came to my mind because Millsy sent me a list of songs that he thought would make good opening tracks to talk about, and a couple of them, the band had never opened with that song, the songs that he mentioned. So I thought, wow, what, what, what about fantasy opening songs? You know, what, what, where, where could we go there? Because then you could choose any any of their catalogue from any of their times. Um, that they were that they played. Now, um, there's a couple of bands that um, that I sort of uh, had hard times with because bands with multiple uh, lineups, particularly singers, not so much guitarists and band members, but mainly vocalists. Um, I, I didn't know. I sort of danced around it like Iron Maiden with um, Bruce Dickinson and. and um, Paul Diano and, and even and, and even uh, you know the 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 sort of the dabbling they did um, you know in the in the early two thousands not the uh, early two thousands the late nineties with Blaze Bailey um, you, you know where, where'd you go there because you don't you know you might say, mention something that someone goes oh what about this era same with Black Sabbath you know so many lineups. So what I've decided to do, I'm going with um, my favourite of those singers. I try to stay true with the, fir the first of the lineups, but um, it all comes down to, as I said, can you get it in? Can you e listen to it easily? Is it available? And do I have it in my collection? So we're going to sort of um, go down that route. Now I'm obviously going to jump out of the metal genre, as is my want. And play around with some um, other uh, sort of live stuff that I think you might enjoy yourself as well. But um, the main, one of the main things that Millsy wanted me to talk about, and thank you for that suggestion. And anyone who does have any suggestions for the show, just reach out and and send me a message um, on you know in Facebook or um, you know even through the through Spotify uh, Messenger there. Um, you can sort of talk notes after the show. I'd love to um, to, to get some ideas because I'm happy to do this for people. And uh, one of his caveats was that he wants to um, talk about the the audience uh, and participation part of the, the of the recording mix, um, and then you know sort of the quality of the, of the of the and how, how the audience sounds when it's recorded. And are they reacting well? Is it a good mix? Um, do you feel part of the audience when you listen to it? And, and um, this is that was more, one of the more difficult ones uh, to sort of negotiate for me because, again, um, as we may have discussed, as you might know, not all live albums are live albums. Some of the ones I'm going to talk about today um, and next week 
have been um, overdubbed, have been um, touched up, played around with, you know, um, after the fact. Not all of them from the same concert most of the time, uh, which also becomes a little bit more tricky uh, because, you know, sort of, you know, a band, even though it's the same tour and the same lineup, the energy will be different from one show to the next. So that's always a tricky one. So I will be sort of dancing around that a bit, Millsy, for you. Sorry, mate. I, best I can do with it, I'll do as best I can. But as I said, um, some of these albums that I'm going to talk about, see songs, sorry. Um, if they've been overdubbed, I'll tell you. If I don't know, they've not been overdubbed. Like, if I don't know, don't tell you. And you know differently, please do reach out and tell me. I mean, my money can only go by the information that's available to me at my fingertips. Um, there's only a couple in the list that I know of that were really sort of heavily uh, tampered with uh, in that respect. Uh, uh, quite a few and far between. One really curious one, which I'm really excited to get to, uh, particularly this one, because I actually had no idea about this one at the time. I'd, I'd owned this particular album and listened to this particular song many, many times, and I did not know the true story behind it so that's it's quite fascinating so looking forward to getting to that one with you now also when it comes to live um, experiences my thing here right um it was i found it a little bit tricky um because do i put in if an if a song is has been overdubbed and fiddled with um fiddled with is the wrong word isn't it but if it had been overdubbed or or you know um overproduced or remixed after the fact is it really a live album there 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 is the there's the crux of it right because um sorry i'm hitting the, the microphone with my, my glasses um the, there's a crux of it because do we want to hear the dirty raw um you know rock and roll sound of a live show that you get no matter who you see or do you want to hear the band like you would on a cd that's been cleaned up and polished and and edited and and and, and you know mixed so that the audience is louder or quieter or or you know errors are taken out i don't know if i would i think that sort of for me is a bit like I don't know. It's a bit like a liar, isn't it? It's like lying to the audience. I mean, I had a friend at school, um, Justin. Justin listens to this show. I know he does. Um, and he really did not like live albums. Um, he just didn't enjoy them. He'd rather you know go straight to the um, have a recorded. I mean, it might be different now. Justin might be different now, mate. But uh, I remember when we were kids. You you weren't a big fan, although you did give me Live After Death. Uh, double cassette which was you know, life-changing sort of thing for me so I know that I know that you weren't a, not a big fan and my, my mate Dave is the same he's not a big fan of live albums and I don't get it sure, the way f into any band for me was a live album if I got the live album for the band first and listened to it and if I could if they came across as a genuine exciting group of people who were just getting together making good music and I and, and I and you know I not knowingly knew it was overdubbed or mixed I would be excited I'd go and get um, their studio albums 
I mean, Marillion is one of the classic examples and one of the very first, you know, albums I ever had of theirs it was Real to Real, um, which I'll be talking about in this show. Um, and it's not it's not mixed or overdubbed. It's just them. And it, I find that, you know, I was so hooked by the quality of their live performance that I went about, I had listened to more and more of the albums. So, you know, it sort of goes... Um, it goes without saying, really, that I think that the ultimate of a band's sort of, um, I don't know, of their quality is their live is their live albums. I really think so. Uh, should we tamper with them? As I said before, I don't think so. I think that if you don't like the live performance, don't put it out. If you're desperate, they're always going to be bootlegs. I mean, there's another thing. I'm not going to be mentioning bootlegs. There is one that's sort of borderline bootleg, which I mentioned because um, I have a lot of bootleg live albums. But as I said before, it's no good me saying, hey, listen to Marillion Live and, you know, wherever it was, and this song, Erkman Track, blah, and you can't even get hold of it. Why would you even bother then? Sorry, Mike has just dropped it. <laughs> if it sounds a bit low, sorry. Um, you know, why would you bother? Because you just get a bit, a bit frustrated that I'm going to talk about this fantastic song that I know about, and you're going to go, well, I can't hear it. What's Tony talking about? I'm going to just, I'll just skip all right anyway so that's it really that's the caveats for this episode it's basically um live opening songs some of them will not be the ones you expect some of them are not ones i would have expected um some of them are fascinating stories behind them some are straightforward uh one is an absolutely as i said before just blew my mind when i found this out and i can't believe i didn't know this and and then you know, we're going to go through roughly uh, roughly around about, if I can get to 10, I'll try. Um, so I won't hang around too long on each of the tracks. Uh, and then, because I'm not going to, I'm going to sort of give it a quick shout out. And then the following week will be the same concept again. Um, but, uh, but fantasy, fantasy opening songs, fantasy live bands, they could be, Bands that are long gone, they can be let bands that are um, new and I don't have any live recordings yet. And I'd love you if you could, if you got through to this episode this far and are still listening, thank you guys. Um, reach out, tell me before next week's episode if you've got any uh, fantasy, it has to be the opening song, it could be any song from their catalogue, any song, but it has to be the, has to be a song they would open with. Um, it could be any era. And it could be any band, okay? I don't mind. Just reach out and 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 say something, and say what you think, and we can find and see if I can. If I haven't edited the show together, I can squeeze it in for next week's episode. Anyway, enough of me jibber jabbering for this uh, part of the show, and I will come back and chat to you on the other side. Bye for now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. back guys to part two uh we're going to open up now with an absolute banger of a opening song uh this is probably my one of my favorite on the list we're going to come straight out the gates with deep purples um live in japan now this is a, recorded in osaka on the 16th of august 1972 october sorry 1972 um at, at the uh, festival hall and at tokyo's budokan the famous budokan few days later now when they arrived in Tokyo uh, and in Japan sorry uh, the Warner Brothers had given them an eight-track recording desk and a not enough space they were so that so that Martin Birch the producer who was dealing with it the classic and wonderful brilliant Martin Birch long may he rest in peace um, they so they so the band thought well okay well we're not going to record this because why would we bother um, and so they went on to record, they went on to play their gigs. And John Lords has come out and said, come out afterwards and said, because they didn't think that they were being recorded, they were much more open, free, and um, improvis- improvisational. And now, I didn't come across that, and I didn't mention this in the first part, but I think sometimes when bands are recorded live, um, they and they know they're recording the show, you do sometimes get a little bit of. Um, more showmanship than you would imagine. I can, and I've, I've been at gigs, pardon me, um, where they've recorded it live, Maiden particularly. Uh, I couldn't tell the difference between what they would give out and what they wouldn't if they weren't recording. But 
there are I'm sure bands out there that sort of um, try a bit too hard and, and it comes across that way and it's probably why they need to overdub them and remix them anyway um, they they thought the second show was the better show that's what John John said um, so that was the one that they used most of for the album and it opens with Highway Star uh, now those that don't know Highway Star well um, it's an absolute clack classic um, it's just a classic Deep Purple song it's pumping it's hard it's heavy it's fast but as I said I'm not going to review each song here I'm just going to talk about um, what makes them good and, and this one is the audience on this is really and for what's surprising is it's it's Japan in the 70s for a country that's quite insular uh, still even now even these days uh, and it doesn't really um, culturally blend um, as easily as other cultures do uh, it was quite surprising that they would go absolutely crazy mad crazy apparently in the audience for um, for them they they turned up in Japan and apparently there were people waiting outside the hotel rooms at two in the morning there were you know the crowds went you know unusual for, for, for Japan and that comes across in the energy of the song because John said that he does it in this particular track which is eight minutes he does a lot of improvisational stuff which that was what they were big on anyway um, and it does come across that way you feel the improvisational uh, nature of it and you know as we were discussing before opening with a big track is you know is is ballsy for me and it, this is a big one opening with highway star it's just I mean, you couldn't open with Smoke on the Water. It'd be impossible. You, you, that's a show. That's a show stopper. You know, um, even and and you couldn't do some uh, Woman in Time. It's too, um, yeah, it's too stoppy, starty. It's too slow. So I can see where they're getting the blood pumping with Highway Star. And and when I do listen to that, I do think, hmm, Millsy, Millsy's onto something here. You know, and Karen's onto something here. Uh, but that's that's that one okay so i'd love to know what you think about that but yes live in tokyo um is you know is uh is just it just it's just fabulous fabulous album many sorries people i've been saying live in japan it's made in japan yeah i'm recording this on new year's day uh, at the end of the day it's been a big one pulling christmas decorations down doing some diy listen to music trying to get my head around this for the episode and um hmm, yes made in japan there you go uh now we're going to race into a similar era because i generally think that the greatest live albums are um, of the early period when i say early period late 60s to very early 80s um that's a so 70s basically uh uh, the next one coming for me is off is this is one of my I did a whole episode on my, the best live albums of all time this one was in my list one of my favorite albums ever and this one does questionably have overdubs on it say it quietly it's got overdubs on it um, well and and, I, and they say questionable because um, people you know some sources say they do and some sources say they don't 
and unfortunately the lead singer is no longer with us to ask them uh, ask him and he would be the one to tell you I don't think anyone else would tell you that anyway and that's Thin Lizzy's Live and Dangerous album from 1978 and the opening track is Jailbreak again a big banger coming out of the gates here um, it recorded uh, on, the, on the 14th of November in London 1976 and, and in Toronto in Canada uh, it was mixed it was produced by Tony Viscotti uh, Visconti I should say Viscotti that's a biscuit isn't it was that Biscotti Tony Biscotti would be nice he goes down with, with a cup of tea um, no, Tony Visconti um, he, they had no time to do a live a new album apparently according to the research uh, so they squeezed out a live album to give them some breathing space between albums and thank god they did because we get live and dangerous opening with the absolutely wonderful jailbreak now that really is an opener they could have opened with whiskey in a jarro they could have opened with anything you couldn't do Parisian walkways it's too long it's also a showstopper as well um, but they did jailbreak now this is where I, I get into sort of murky waters because um, it may be you can't tell if this is overdubbed or remixed and I don't really care to be brutally truthful on this particular album I didn't feel once once I learned that nugget of information and I've got a couple of versions of it I've got a an original release I've also got a new record store day one which is a, the full Toronto concert I believe whereas this this album is the mix of London and Toronto um, it was the last album that had guitarist um, Brian Robson on uh, so that was an interesting little jaunt also with the deep purple that was their last album that the last album with John with um, with uh, Ian Gillen and Robert Glover Richard Roger Glover so you know interesting there live album and then people leave same here live album someone leaves interesting hey eh? hope that's not a pattern um, now this one when you listen to it again has the audience been you know pushed up in the mix to give it the you know the the, the pizzazz that some of these live albums have um, probably but it is a cracker of an opening and again on the Millsy meter which I like we're gonna start calling now I've just just coined it then the Millsy meter um, the audience is in around about seven so you can really hear the audience enjoying themselves um, and it's not a fake audience it's not someone else's audience it's not an American laughter track it is actually the audience uh, and I think this is where Phil Linnett's at his peak I really mean this I think this is this this whole album but this particular opening track really stamps his huge um, persona on rock and roll uh, right there and then you know right in a time when he desperately needed it so brilliant second opener all right and then we're going to move on to remember i said to you before that one was a little bit it surprised me and, and it took me by 
by surprise. Is that the right thing? Yeah, surprise means by surprise. <laughs> um, but Slayer. Now, Slayer, as you know, one of my favourite bands of all time. I've seen them in every live show they've done since Reign of Blood. Um, on every tour, sorry, not every live show, but every, every tour they've been on. And they don't have a lot of um, early live albums. Okay, of course, they have this one particular one, which is Live Undead, which I have on picture disc, German print, Japanese print, English print, Australian print, and on reissue. Um, and um, all of them sound amazing, by the way. Uh, now, this one, for the life of me, when I play it, it has, I put a big note here saying, re-listen closely. Um, because they said that it was recorded um, live at a, sh at a show with, with a few people at the show. But it's come out subsequently that it was actually, um, they had a the radio station, WBAB, uh, Finger Metal Radio Station, Finger Metal Shop Radio Station, um, had a competition to come out and hang out with the band and listen to them play and record. And those that won, there was about a handful, between 12 to 14 people, um, they basically went and listened to them record the, the live album, um, Live Undead, at the Tiki Recording Studios in Glen Cove, New York City. Um, now, if you listen to the, the recording, it sounds like there's a lot more people in the audience. It sounds like a much bigger venue. And it does not sound like it's been recorded like in front of a, you know, like where's the, the gray area? Is, is it a live album or is it recorded if live in front of people? As in the album itself was recorded live, not captured live in front of a live audience. Um, and that's the one that uh, I put a big question mark on, but I've also put in big red letters, I don't care, I really like it. Um, and they open up with uh, Spirit in Black. So not the big numbers, as Millsy did say, you know, he thought something would be like um, South of Heaven or something. No, I think this is, again, this is the stamper in the in the sand. This is the marker, the line in the sand, sorry, the stamp, um, you know, saying, hey, this is us, this is the sound, this is a brand new sound, a really new um metal concept and it's cheeky it's a cheeky little live album but when you listen to it now you can't listen and say to yourself hey Tony that's a live album because it really isn't a live album it's basically they recorded the EP or the album with people like you know coming to listen to it it wasn't at a, at a venue as such which again that's fine but it's it's raw it's rough it's ready it's Early Slayer, which is something I love, it's that sort of mixture of punk and um, and heavy metal and aggression and and the DIY attitude and, and and excuse me, I'm going to swear here, the fuck you attitude. Um, you know, it, there's something that I love deeply about this form of music that we listen to. So that was one that's you know a bit of a grey area there, is it? So that's and again, the song is not a banging opening song, okay, um, because it's not a live album as such. I picked it as a live album because it's the one I have. And on after researching, I realized it wasn't truly a live album. But I had to put it in the list because I wanted to prove to your point that not all is what it seems in the, you know, in the world of live albums. And then we're going to move on to a really 
difficult one. Now this is a very difficult one for me. This is Iron Maiden. Now, we all know, let's not beat about the bush here, we all know how much I bloody love, and we all bloody love Iron Maiden. And there are so many live albums, and so many live bootlegs I have. Many, many, many of them. Would I say I have a plethora? I have a plethora of them. Um, so I decided to go with the classic. The greatest live album of them all, Iron Maiden's Live After Death. Now, what I loved about this is technically not the opening song is not, it's the speech from, it's the Churchill speech, but let's go with the first actual piece of music track, all right? And we know, we all know without, you know, you could we could sing it in our sleep, okay? We all know um, what that track is going to be. I'm going to give you a second to uh, to try and sort of see if you can shout out loudly with me what it is. That's right. You can calm down. Yes, it's aces high. Um, and what a, again? I know. I I think this journey we're going on with live opening songs, uh, all being bangers, at this moment could be turning my opinion. Uh, recorded between the 14th and 17th of March. They decided that this this it was recorded in on the Hammers of Odeon and at Long Beach uh, Arena in, in in America. And um, now we all know the the classic "Scream for Me," right? Long Beach, right? Now the opening song, as, as I said, was recorded. It comes on the first and third sides of the album. They both so the first part of the album and the third side of the album were recorded at Hammers of Odeon. The band originally wanted all of the live after death to be from the Hams of Odeon. It was never going to be uh, Long Beach as well. It was because that um, Bruce and the band thought the best and most exciting um, music actually was all recorded there. But there was a bit of a problem between the lighting guys and the sound guys and the video guys um, so that when they recorded it, because Steve Harris adamantly will not overdub anything, and God love him for it, everything is live and that's how it is. Um, because of that, uh, they, there was issues, and and so we couldn't do the live video because it was it was a rolling video. So they had to use bits and pieces so they could link together the video to make it live, so they could sell the package of the video with the album. Which was fair enough, I get it. I'd love to know if anyone's got the full Hamsavodian um, set, though. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I may be missing it. I don't know. Something I haven't seen, but I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure my good friend uh, Matt uh, has got it. Old, uh, I'm sure he has. In fact, I definitely know he has, I'm sure. Um, it For me, it's the, the best stepping stone album for live music, for live metal, I think. If you're good, if you're going on, I'm going to listen to a live album, but I don't know where to start. Live After Death is the one to step into because it captures the audience on the Millsy meter. It's a nine, right? It's got this absolute, you know, you get taken on the journey, um, and I'm really happy that Ace of High is is from the House of Odeon set because that's. 
you know, the home of, 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 of rock and roll in, in, in London. Well, it was for a long, long time. Um, and I think the band really deep down are very proud of their, their roots and heritage and they would love it to have been there. But hey, you know, it doesn't matter. It still came out to be one of the greatest albums of all time, live, okay? And um, again, they use this album as a stepping stone to give them some breathing space between um, Seventh Son, uh, sorry, um, the, before, separate, before they recorded Seventh Son. So it was good to give them a little bit of air, a breathing space. I don't think they would realise that it would be as big um, as as it as it became. Again, it's this this sort of pattern of giving a breathing space. Uh, live album, tour album, tour live album, space new album. I don't think that again is something that happens that much more these days. Um, it used to happen a lot, as you can tell by the notes. Um, again, never never overdubbed, and this is one of the best opening tracks of them all because it just it captures one of the greatest bands in history at their peak at their very 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 best in my opinion uh, speaking of the great bands and the greatest bands here comes one now when I say this you're all gonna look at me I'm sure there are fans of this band out there going what you didn't do this you didn't say that and say this album what 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 this one's a bit of controversial. Not as controversial, maybe a bit controversial, not as controversial as the Slayer album. This is Black Sabbath's Live at Last, 1980. It was a album that was recorded against the band, and released against the band's will, because the manager at the time, Patrick Meehan, um, had the rights to the music and thought it would make a good option to get out, get some money, chuck it out there. Now, it is available on Spotify, it did come out on the, um, the box set for um, Volume 4, because it's the tour it was based on, um, was for and around. Um, it doesn't, it's, it's it, it, it charted, it got number 8 in the UK, it is a, an official bootleg album, um, but the band don't officially recognise it. Um, but I think this sort of grabs again, like the... Um, like the maiden track before we just mentioned it has the it has the real ballsy um strong live and it's not the song that you would expect okay it is actually you know again this is the everyone thinks that that, that they open with war peaks and i think those that have gone to see judas priest live and there are many of us um, they always have before the band come out they play war pigs and I think that there is this sort of a sort of um, Mandela effect that people think that all Black Sabbath gigs open with war pigs and that again would why play your greatest hit um, right out the bat right out of the of the gates I mean I main's greatest hit is arguably run to the hills or number of the beast it's not going to be aces high um same with deep purple it's not going to be um you know it's not going to be smoke on the water thin lizzie it wouldn't open with uh with boys are back in town right 
Or would they? But anyway, um, so they opened the song with Tomorrow, Tomorrow's Dreams, which is on the Volume 4 album. It was recorded at the Rainbow Theatre in North London, not far from where I grew up, actually. Most of the big bands played there at one time or another. Um, on the 11th of March, 1973. So I was seven days away from being among us all here. Ah, oh, that's lovely. Um, so uh, 50 years, 51 years coming up since it was recorded. Quite crazy when you think about it. So I love it because, again, on the Millsy meter, it's sort of about a six, six or a seven. It's not like it hasn't got the strongest audience recording reaction to it, but it, I think it's got one of the best uh, Aussie vocals on, on this out on this live album. And I say it because I think. Um, they were not conscious they were getting conscious they were getting recorded uh, they just went along you know, displayed as they normally would you know gave them that freedom now as I said before someone might shake their fists at me and go what about the Dio years what about what about the Martin years what about this and what about that look I haven't got infinite time so I can't go through every single one I may may choose um I may choose one of those for my fantasy uh, opening songs. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out next week, won't we? Um, but yes, that is Black Sabbath's Live at Last 1980 unofficial bootleg. Official bootleg, and it's very strange. Um, no overdubs, completely as it was. Uh, Black Sabbath Volume 4 tour, which I think is one of the greatest. Oh, I hit the mic. Um, I'm going to go and get a, a drink now, and I'll be back with some more of my favourite opening songs for the opening of the year. Bye for now. I'm back. Do you hear that seamless edit? I actually went downstairs, got myself an ice cream, had a nice little drink, and come back again. Hey, the wonderfulness of the internet. Anyway, so hope you're enjoying this. I am. I'm, it really sort of um, opened my eyes slightly into all those years of listening to live albums that things aren't quite the same. His next one here uh, is something that, uh, again, this is from my collection. So these records are from my collection, okay? Um, that's why there's a few of them, but I, I've tried to filter them out a few. But um, Judas Priest's uh, Unleashed in the East. Um, which is unfortunately being dubbed Unleash in the studio, uh, which again I had no idea. Gosh, I thought I knew my stuff. Um, on the research there, um, Rob Halford, in an interview much later on, has said that when they recorded the album, the vocals were recorded really poorly in the live context. So. He recorded the vocals in a studio in a, and I'm going to do air mark, question marks here, um, in a live reproduction of a live feel in a studio. Um, it is one of the, and, okay, they open with one of the early sort of versions of speed metal that there is, uh, Exciter from the album um, Stained Class. Brilliant, brilliant album. And I've seen priest live many many times and um, they've opened with all sorts of different tracks I mean 
when I saw them do the whole of uh, Nostradamus, they didn't open with anything new. They didn't play anything new at all. They basically played. Um, I think they opened up with the whole first side of the album of Nostromas, then they went into classic tracks, right? Some time ago now. Um, I feel a bit sort of cheated slightly on this particular album. I'm sorry, Rob, if you're hearing this. I don't mean cheat. You didn't cheat me. It's just that I didn't know this. I, for years, I thought the vocal on this particular recording, which is one of my favourite live albums as well, again, for my live selection, I have a section in my record collection called Live. Oh, I have all my live albums. Um, and. Um, I thought, wow, this is the, some of the best vocals. I mean, this is naive, Mr. Mr. Heavy Metal Tone's naivety when he was younger, thinking this was an absolute um, banger of a vocal line. And it turns out that it was overdubbed uh, afterwards anyway. Now, you're going to say, Tony, there are lots and lots and lots of good Priest live albums. Yes, there are. This is the one that I have in my... Well, I've got a few of them, but this is the one that I consider classic lineup priest okay and yeah uh, open up with exciter uh, again I'm gonna say on the museometer or museometer keep changing the name of it it's around about six for the audience participation in the background again it's 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 Asia so it's you know surprisingly how loud they are the band is as always and always will be a class act live and so opening again i don't think excite is my favorite pre-song but but they're not opening with uh, breaking the law are they or metal gods or anything like that they're opening with you know uh, a relatively well-known song this one is not a banger this one is not a jumping out are you the greatest song they ever wrote kind of thing and um, so sort of you can see i see myself going mm, I get, I get it. I get that I quite like now the idea of having a quite lower, lower level known song to start with. But as I said before, I think I'm coming around to the fact that I think an opening track should be a banging one. Um, hey, you know that's what this this is. This on a journey with me. I'm growing as well, as they say. <laughs> and then we're going to move to. And are you going to say? I'm glad you didn't miss this one. This is Motorhead's Ace of Spades uh, on the No Sleep to Hamster album. What an absolute masterwork of a live album this is. Um, the packaging, the they, they had three albums out before, hadn't made any money with it. Typical sort of punk, early punk sort of metal ethos where taking a, you know, taking a ride by the manager and... Uh, you know, they had some success in America and they released this album, which took them, I think, stratospherically, in my opinion. People will say differently, but I think this is the one that really um, took them different places because people could hear the thundering madness that is Motorhead. Um, and this one's recorded on the 7th of February to the 20th of April, 1980, and the 28th of, April, of April, March to the 30th of March, 1981, over several locations up and down the UK. On the um, From the taken from the... Uh, a short sharp pain in the neck tour uh, and this is 10 on the milsiometer 10 10 10 the audience is ravenous it is beautifully mixed you can feel like you're part of the crowd you know it's thunderous um, opens with an absolute top 10 banger uh, ace of spades there is no with motorhead there is no in between you're gonna get 
it's all killer no filler it's all pace it's all fast it's all angry it's all rock and roll it's all dirty you feel like you're gonna catch something just looking at his mic um, but you don't care because it's sort of like the darker seedier side of, of rock and roll the side of rock and roll that we all really secretly deep down want and know and love and would love to be part of but you know just can't be because it's only for those certain few that want to party hard and die young sadly yes so brilliant brilliant and in, again no no overdubs according to the notes i've read but hey i mean you know i'm sure that there are some secrets going on with some of these live albums but differently to the judas priest album it feels live it feels like the mics could just cut out any moment or um, an audience member might jump on the stage or Lemmy might forget a you know a lyric or you know or, um, animal might just sort of completely go off rhythm with the drums who knows it's absolutely brilliant 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 if I was going to do it in like a countdown it would probably be in my number one to be honest with you uh, but we're going to move on to one f that was mentioned for um, that was asked for by by music because this show is dedicated to his he asked me for it so he is a huge queen fan now i'm not a massive queen fan um i don't want to offend queen fans I do love queen it's just they're not they're for me they're a contentious band for me okay um any either way wonderful band you know rock and roll would be a sad place without them um and of course we're going to talk about the classic uh, we will rock you all right uh, from live killers uh, this particular opening i think this sort of rivals mohead for the milsiometer 10 for the audience because queen always knew how to um how to to, to pull its audience in how to to grab it straight away um and this one really is this is a this is a real we're gonna have a party song this open up because we're gonna really let go tonight kind of song there's no build up here there's no stepping stones no mucking around this is solid gold right from the moment and this album is it's the only queen album i actually have in my collection physical queen album uh, and i can see why people like Millsy and my mate John and they love this stuff so much because it really is heart heart pumpingly brilliant you know from the minute that it starts to the minute it finishes it was recorded um, live uh, the, during the European leg of their jazz tour between 26th of January and the 1st of March 1979 um, now there we go here the album was self-produced by the band and was their first to be mixed at their own studios mountain studios in montreux switzerland guitarist brian may and drummer roger taylor later revealed the u.s radio show in the studio that, uh sorry later revealed on the u.s radio show in the studio with Redbeard, which spotlighted the making of 1980s a game that the band had mixed live killers themselves and were unhappy with the final mix um i you know what? Some of those un those um, unhappy stances are good, aren't they? It's funny, isn't it? It's like um, Steve Harris hates the first I made now, but I actually bloody love it. Yeah, he doesn't like the way it's mixed, but 
you know, I suppose we're all, um, we're all our own worst critics, aren't we? Now, track listing. So it opens up where we rock you, as I said. Um, and that was recorded in Leon uh, on the 17th of February. Um, it's a brilliant, brilliant anthemic song. Yes, I know it's been mixed, and we talk about things not being mixed, but you're a band as big as Queen. You, you don't want to put out stuff that may, may sort of, I don't know. I mean, I'm getting a into um, we're getting into tricky tricky waters here by saying that do you really want to if you've got if you're a really sort of heritage band do you want your music to sound raw or do you want it to be clean and polished it's a difficult one eh? we should probably that's something that we might talk about later on um, there were some songs that were omitted from the live album, though, from the tour, which was Somebody to Love, Fat Bottom Girls, um, If You Can't Beat Them and It's Late, uh, which is a shame because I think they're, again, Fat Bottom Girls one of my favourite songs of, of, Queen, of Queen's. Um, they had quite a few singles off it. Um, it charted very well. I mean, in the UK, where did it get? It got to three in the UK, as you'd expect with Queen. Um, you know, the jazz tour was really popular. Brilliant, brilliant um, masters of the of the live audience. You know, the whole lot of them. And it, you know, Freddie, he knew how to control an audience. He had it from the moment that he walked onto that stage to the moment he left. You were in his complete command, and that's what made a good it made a good opening live song because you knew, anticipated he was going to take you on a good show. Um, and coming to the end of the show here, guys. But we're going to now talk about. Um, slightly more sedate um we're going to move away from the world of heavy rock and heavy metal and we're going to talk about some prog hey my favorite four-letter word um and marillion's real to real which was the first as i said before was the first marillion live album i'd heard um and it was something that i felt um really really emphasized their their live show uh, it sort of came at a time when um, it came at a time when the band I, I, people some people say is it too early for a live album right because it only really released two albums was it too early for a live album I don't know if that's the case I think that live albums can come out come out anytime I think they, they just complement your recorded studio work just helps, as I said, helps an audience get to know what the band is like live. Because, let's be honest, how often are we going to get to see original Queen or original Motorhead or original Black Sabbath or Deep Purple? Some people have been lucky, and I know there are people out there who I have good friends of mine have had that privilege. But there are now new audiences that don't have that, but they can reach out and listen to a sample of great live rock and roll and heavy metal and whatever so for me yeah I don't think it was too early it was recorded at the um, De Montfort Hall in Leicester uh, between the 19th and 20th of June 1984 and the Spectrum Montreal Canada um, it uh, 
It had two songs each from the first two albums, Script for Justice Tear and Fugazi. The original LP version contained two tracks previously not available on any albums, the A-side of the band's 1982 debut single, Market Square Heroes, and Cinderella Search, the B-side of Assassin, recording at the Spectrum Emerald Lies. Um, at the Spectrum Emerald Lies from Fugazi was originally on a bonus track on the CD and cassette version, which I have. Now, it is released. The opening track is Assassin. All right. Recorded in Montreal, not in the UK. Uh, and on the Millsy Meter, it's up there, um, I reckon about an eight, because it builds and it builds and it builds. As the song opens, it builds with that fantastic uh, Ian Mosley floor tom work um, and Fish's dramatic um, opening lyrical attack. But it sort of builds from silence to aggressions really as what really do very very well and what prog is very good at is that building of atmosphere it's not about simple gratifications it's about a longer journey and that's what you get with assassin and the audience in this one uh, canada it was an interesting tour because it was a tour they were on um on the same bill as they were um supporting rush but the the um, the roadies hated them, so they would often um, like give them poor equipment, not plug them in properly, um, you know, make delay them, do all sorts of stuff to make them look bad. Um, they would they they got them drunk before shows. They did all sorts of stuff. It's well documented. I have mentioned about this before in a previous show, um, and not. And by the way, this is not what Rush would have asked for. They, they didn't. They loved the band. They wouldn't have asked them to tour with them if they didn't. Um, but but the professionals that they are, the, the this album and the opening track, Assassin, um, it does not sound like they are under performing or badly recorded, or the mics don't work, or or any of the guitar. Like I heard that there's, there's rumors that the guitars are in different cities, that the, the amps didn't turn up all this sort of stuff um you know they they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't the roadies would only work certain hours they wouldn't set up prop for them they'd set themselves up all this kind of crap but it doesn't come across in the live pr production in fact you know memories for me this lying on my bed uh, as a, a 13 year old um, i share my a bedroom with my brother and um you know headphones in um, i had the window i had the bedroom the the bed under the window and I'd be lying there in the moonlight looking out at the windows at the street lights um, the big street lights outside our house in, in London where they you know you've got the you know bright bright light even at midnight sort of thing you had to close your blinds to get any kind of your curtains to get any kind of sleep but you got used to it and we're lying there looking out a bit and listening to this album and I'm just thinking I really, 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 really want to see this band live so, so bad. Sadly, I never got to see them with Fish because um, he left in 1989-90 and that was when I was you know, leaving school and making money and buying concert tickets. And Anyway, that's a different, different, uh, different episode. But this one is um, really... Is it their best song? No, it is not. Is it a great opener? Yes, it is. This is this to me 
is exactly what I was saying earlier. It's a build-up song. It's a build-up song. And I think that's what I find brilliant about this particular track. And what, what makes me think why I like songs that are uh, opening songs at concerts that aren't straightaway bangers. I think I like the build-up of, 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 of tension. But then on reflection, maybe that's because I'm seeing a prog band. Maybe if I think about it deep down... And I went to see Iron Maiden, and well, I'll give away what I think their fantasy opening would be next week. But imagine that they, you know, when I saw something different with a different song that I wanted to, you know, about their big, big hit straight away. How would I feel? How would I feel if I saw Marillion and straight away they came out with, you know, a Kaylee or um, Market Square Heroes, you know, you know, or, or Fugazi? opening with songs like that I don't know where you go from there with bands like that so that's why I'm telling you that the, the build up for for um, for this this song is what sorry I'm scratching I'm itching back sorry um, well I didn't mean to give you give that away <laughs> scratch itchy back live radio folks live radio um, yeah I, I just think that I think that's where my thought pattern comes from is because I'm so used to Real to Real as an album and the way that it builds to this sort of crescendo at the end um, and that all, the, all the big hits come sort of in the middle uh, of the of, of it and then end, it ends with Market Square uh, sorry with um, Forgotten Sons which is my favourite brilliant song of them all um, I'm not quite sure uh, oh no, is it my favourite? No, it's not. It's my favourite of the big numbers. I think Tuck Song is my favourite. But anyway, we've discussed this before. I'm not going to go back discussing it again. Well, I will do, because I like to, but that's a different day. So, I'm going to stop there, because um, I did have Metallica on my list to talk about. But that one was quite controversial for me, because I couldn't. I haven't got a Metallica live album that's got Cliff Burton on it. Um, so I don't really want, I don't want to do, I mean, another thing that Millsy mentioned, he did mention, you know, opening with Enter the Sandman, which they do on some of their live tours. Uh, again, it's a song that, sorry, it's a song that everyone knows. It's a song that makes the neutral get into the show. And that's something probably I haven't talked about. Maybe you do open with a banger because you want to draw the neutrals in. But how many neutrals are actually there? Who's going to fold over, um, hand over the folding stuff? You know, the readies, the dosh, the do, the 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 the, uh, the denarii, the shekels, um, the dollars, the you know, the rupees, whatever. Who's going to sh- who's going to uh, you know hand those over to a band they've never really heard? I mean, I don't think people do that anymore because. People instantly would have gone. Will now go on to um, Spotify and other streaming platforms are available, uh, and listen to the band first before they go, and they'll hear the big hits. And so that's what you know. I don't know. I, I just don't think people are willing to take a chance in live music anymore. Um, they'd rather know what they're getting into, which is a bit of a, you know. I don't know. I find that quite sad because you know I've 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 uh, shelled out 
money for bands I'd never even heard of and had absolutely fantastic times. I've also shared up money for bands I've never heard of and wished that I'd stayed at home with a cup of tea and a biscuit. Uh, but, you know, hey, it's more the latter, you know. Anyway, latter, is that the one before? I can never remember what latter is, you know. <laughs> In some countries, the latter is a coffee. <laughs> I'd like a soy latter, please. <coughs> Extra froth. Um, that's me. I'm done. It's been a long day. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I knew it's, it is an interesting subject. I sort of think I've got my head around it. I think I know what I'm trying to say. I think, hopefully, I've I've given Millsy what he needed, what he was waiting for or looking for. But, of course, there is part two of this show, and that will be the fantasy opening songs. From and, and with that, we can reach into all sorts of bands, not just record bands that I have live albums for. So, where will we go in that one? That one could be a bit more interesting because um, we're not restrained by fact. We are living in a world of fantasy, which some people say I might do anyway, but, uh, you know. Who cares? Um, time now for me to go and pour myself a little single malt and uh, read a book or two. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. It's been really nice to actually chat because of the um, fact that the last couple of weeks I've had to do, you know, been on holiday, so I haven't had a chance to record. So it's really nice to get the old, uh, the old, um, old words out. You know what I mean? I don't even know what I'm saying now. See? You know what I mean? It's just a nice chat. Uh, be safe. Be good. Talk to you next week when we'll have our fantasy opening songs. And I'd love, as I said, please do reach out and tell me what yours would be because I'd love to know. And if I've missed, I haven't, obviously, there's lots and lots and lots of bands I've missed. I've just wanted to grab the ones I, some of the ones I have, some of the ones you might have as well. And I mean, I could be here all night this if I kept it up but you and me know that I've already yammered on for over an hour so bye for now guys